Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Please stand with me for the reading of the word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their their commendation. By faith we understand that uh, that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. And Hebrews 11, 20, and 21 By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you. So I appreciate Connor being here today. I met him, I'm friends with several pastors in town, and we pray together uh, weekly. And uh, when Connor came to town, he was the new youth leader at Gateway, and immediately we bonded, basically on the on the basis of the faith in the gospel. Uh, besides uh, going to school and, and going through seminary and doing all those things, he was faithful with a local church and a pastor, and that pastor really gave him the insight that uh, our church is focused on, which is focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how reading the Bible through that lens gives you much more than um, religion and just uh, duty and just, uh, uh, you know, moralistic deism could give you. It's a life full of living, and Connor's been exemplary in that. And uh, we've met together weekly, too, for a long time before COVID hit, and just always had some really good talks based on the gospel. So I know you'll enjoy, enjoy him. And we pray blessings on Connor and Kristen and their family. And uh, we just uh, are glad to have him and listen and pay attention. All right, <laughs> Connor? <clears throat> Thank you, Bobby. <clears throat> yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, and man, there's some exciting stuff going on at Grace Harvest. Uh, just talking about different things, and I was like, man, I want, I want to go to that baptism at three. Emily getting baptized. Want to, want to go to the, the dinner. Y'all are eating salad, which is kind of weird. You bunch of rabbits, but, um, <clears throat> but I still would like to go to that, and and I, I can't, but would like to go to the Gentle and Lowly book study. That's a great book, and would love to hear um, everybody's thoughts on that. But, uh, man, some, some exciting stuff. Good good season for Grace Harvest I'm excited about and grateful to be here this morning. Um, and, and also some exciting things that I'm aware that you guys are going through is, is reading through First and Second Chronicles, I believe, the end of First Chronicles and beginning of Second Chronicles, and... Um, was was hoping and, and, and trying to, to come up with a sermon that for the end of First Chronicles. There's some really cool things. David has an awesome prayer. There's some some really cool parallels that I was studying about David um, getting instructions to build the temple and Moses getting instructions to build the tabernacle and, and I was I was super excited to, to preach on that and, and the glory of God and and that's not what we're going to be talking about this morning um, <laughs> and uh, but I am I'm still very excited um, sorry this this microphone's kind of can't get it to sit on my ear right so if I 
keep doing that. I apologize. Um, excited, excited for, for what uh, God has laid on my heart to speak to you this morning in, in Hebrews 11 and, and also uh, Genesis 27 and 48. And if you want to turn on over to Genesis 27, you can do that. Um, I am going to read Hebrews 11 um, one more time. Uh, Hebrews 11, 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for, for um, giving me the opportunity, Kristen and I, the opportunity to come and worship here with another body of believers, another congregation here that, that makes up the kingdom of God. And we're grateful for um, us uh, over at Gateway and Grace Harvest being um, partners in ministry, partners um, in, in uh, the kingdom work here in Rudoso. And God, I pray that you would continue to use Bobby and John and the leadership here and the leadership at Gateway to uh, um, join you in, in furthering the kingdom and proclaiming your name and making much of the name of Jesus in Lincoln County. pray that that um, happens here this morning. Um, I pray that uh, my words are, are not my words, but are, are yours, and uh, that you would do the work of changing hearts. And I pray the same over at Gateway with John. We love you and we thank you. Just in the name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so Jacob um, blessing, or first Isaac's blessing Jacob and Esau, right? And then Jacob is blessing his grandsons, the sons of Joseph. And, and both of these have to do with faith. Right? That's why they're, uh, they're here. Oh, and, and I was going to tell you the reason that this slide, you'll see this slide several times, uh, is part of a, a series that we're doing over at Gateway in Hebrews, and we're calling it Jesus is Greater. Um, and if you've read Hebrews, you notice that the author is trying to convince the, his, their audience um, that, that Jesus is greater than anything they might want to go back to. Um, they might think it's better to go back to, to the Old Testament ways, to the Old Covenant and the authors say, no, Jesus is greater. And that's, that's this part of that series, and that's why you'll see that slide. Um, but we're in Hebrews 11, um, and that's kind of nicknamed the Hall of Faith, right? And so um, Isaac and Jacob are both showing um, faith in, in blessing their son or their grandsons. Um, but if, if you think about it, all, all blessings from a, a, a father figure, mother figure to children are are showing faith, right? It's, it's, I hope this will happen in faith. I'm saying this will happen to you and for you. Um, <clears throat> but I think, as you, I think you'll see today that there's something unique about both of these stories that's really, really powerful for us and has some really good impact and significance in our lives. But we see Jacob really obviously acting in faith. Um, in Genesis 48, 15, and 16, um, he says, let them grow into a multitude. This is um, Jacob blessing Joseph's sons, right? Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Maybe to a, a promise God gave Abraham and, and uh, Jonathan skipped ahead and put it up there already. Uh, Genesis 35, uh, 11 is, is God... Um, <clears throat> giving Jacob this promise that he gave to Abraham. Your, your descendants will be as many as the sand on the seashore. Um, and, and God gave that promise to Jacob as well. Um, Genesis thirty-five eleven, 11. Um, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And, and then Jacob is, pa- sorry, um, yeah, no, Isaac. <laughs> Isaac is, is passing this down to his kids. He's the first, first person. Isaac and Jacob both are acting in faith 
because they're the first person to pass down to their kids what God promised about them, right? Everybody following? Um, And we, too, can act in faith as we prepare to die, some of us sooner than others, maybe. Um, And as we prepare, we can bless others, bless our kids as we prepare to die, not with a will full of money or houses or cars, but the promise of God that we've been given, which is different from the promise given to Isaac and Jacob, and we'll get to that, um, but want to mention it here that it is different, um, but we um, can bless our children in Christ as we prepare to die um, by, by passing on to them what God promised to us. Um, and we see Isaac doing this in Genesis 27.4. He says, Prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So that my soul may bless you before I die. One of my favorite uh, stories, memories in high school happened my freshman year, and it was in uh, one of my favorite teacher's class. His, his name's Mr. Allen. He taught freshman history. And uh, he had gone to uh, one of my basketball games. He taught freshman history, me and several other people on the basketball team in his class. And so he was going to come watch us play that evening. And at this basketball game that Mr. Allen came to watch, I, have the, I had this really cool play where um, a ball somehow had like gone off one of my teammates or missed pass or something. It's going out of bounds. And if it lands out of bounds, it's going to be a turnover, right? Everybody familiar enough with basketball to, to know that? Um, and we don't want that to happen, right? And so I'm, I jump from inbounds. My feet are inbounds, and I jump, and I, I catch the ball and throw it back inbounds to one of my teammates before me or the ball lands out of bounds, right? And so I did that, and then save the ball, and I, like, tumble into, like, the second or third row of bleachers. Re- really athletic move, um, if, I, if I do say so myself. Um, uh, and, but, so that happened, and the next day, we go to, go to history class, and Mr. Allen, in front of the whole class, um, tells that story, recounts that play um, in front of all my friends, in front of all the cool, cool kids, and everybody that I wanted to be like. He tells that story, um, and he finishes it, and he, sa- he points at me, he says, Mills, you got heart. And I share that story to, to tell you what a great athlete I am. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It was, fresh, it was freshman basketball. I never made it past freshman basketball. So, um, no, I, I tell you that story to bring out um, what, what soul means in our text that we just read, Genesis 27, 4, that my, that my soul may bless you before I die. Um, Mr. Allen said I had a heart. Not, he wasn't talking about a blood-pumping organ in my chest, right? He's saying I, I, was, I was play, had that play. I, I played basketball with, with everything that I had, right? Um, you, you've said that to your kids or to one another. You, you, oh, you've got heart. You did that with all your heart. Um, and that's what uh, Isaac is saying here, um, that I may bless you with everything I have, with my soul, with everything I have. And so we can, we can bless our kids. Um, blessing our kids is much more than an up-to-date will. It's much more than, than fortunes. It's with everything we've been given by God, sir. With our soul, we bless your kids. That's what Isaac's doing with his firstborn. Um, my favorite character in the TV show, The Office, is Creed. You've got a picture of him here. Um, <clears throat> and he's got a quote in one of the episodes where, uh, where some co-workers of his win the lottery. And then they go around and ask the other co-workers, what would you do if you won the lottery? And Creed responds and says, I've already won the lottery. I was born in the U.S. of A's, baby. And as a backup, I have a Swiss passport. Uh, 
The Office is great. Creed's great. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Uh, but for Creed, winning the lottery had, had nothing to do with, with anything you did, right? It was, it was simply by where he was born. He was born in the U.S. Bays. That was winning the lottery. And for ancient Israel, time of the Old Testament, being blessed, receiving the blessing, didn't have anything to do with what you did. It had to do with when you were born. Not, not where, like Creed said, but when you were born. If you were born first, you're the firstborn, you were born right and, and received the blessing. But if you weren't born first, you were born wrong and got much, much less. Exodus 13.2 tells us a little bit of, of why this happens. Uh, it says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. This is God speaking. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Um, and you say, well, we're talking about Genesis 27. This happens much later in Exodus 13. Um, you, if you've spent much time in Scripture, you see that God prepares things before they actually happen. And, and so God's given us a, a, a preview in Genesis 27 and before of what's going to happen in Exodus and then the, the Passover, right, and the death of the firstborn. Um, and so that's what's happening in Genesis 27. That's why the firstborn is given the blessing because they're gods. God owns the firstborn. Um, and they have to lead the family in light of that truth. A uh, commentary that I read in preparing for this says that the birthright was most important to an Israelite because the firstborn was the representative of the family in its relationship with God. So the firstborn was the family's priestly intercessor. Alright, so knowing this about blessings and how they worked in Israel, let's unpack these two stories mentioned in Hebrews 11 that we've read. Um, the first one happens in Genesis 27. Um, and I don't have a lot of, a lot of scripture on the slides um, for Genesis 27 or Genesis 48 um, because I want you to open your Bibles and, and see it as well. Um, <clears throat> so Genesis 27. We already know that Isaac uh, wants Esau to, pr- to go and hunt game and prepare a meal that he loves so that he will bless him. And there's some emphasis there um, on that word love, right? Because do we know who Isaac's favorite son is? Jacob. Jacob, right? He loves Jacob, um, the firstborn. Maybe, maybe he loves him because he's the firstborn. Um, maybe it's because he hunts game and cooks good meals. Uh, he's manly, but maybe it's also because he's hairy or red. Um, probably not those reasons, but we do know Jacob is hairy and red, right? Um, Continuing in chapter 27, um, verse 5, um, we see that Rebecca, Isaac's wife, overheard this conversation um, that, that Isaac and Jacob had. She was eavesdropping, um, right? Do you, does that ring a bell of another story that happened a little bit before this, of somebody eavesdropping in Scripture? Um, when God tells Abraham he's going to have a son in their old age, Sarah, uh, Rebecca's mother-in-law, was, was, was hearing this and, and laughed, right? And so now Rebecca, it, Genesis is so cool that it just, that happens, that it brings out that detail. Um, <clears throat> and so Rebecca, following in her mother-in-law's footsteps, eavesdrops on this conversation, and they, they, she makes a plan with her favorite son, um, Jacob, uh, and, and they're going to trick Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of the firstborn Esau, right? Now, that's how I was always told this story, is that, that Isaac wants to bless his favorite son, Esau. Rebecca wants to bless her favorite son, Jacob. And that, that could be happening. It's, it's logical, makes sense. But what could be happening as well is that Rebecca is remembering a prophecy that was given at their birth, at Jacob and Esau's birth. And this is Genesis 25, 23. 
the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So maybe she, that was a powerful moment for Rebecca. I'm sure it was. And, and she's remembering this and thinking, Oh, I've, I'm running out of time. I've, I've got to do this, do this now, uh, right? I don't know if that redeems any of, of Rebecca and Isaac, um, or Rebecca and Jacob. Um, if you've, you've read Genesis, Jacob needs some redeeming. He's a very difficult character to like. Um, but regardless, it's still deception, still a sinful act against a weak, dying man, against a brother um, that should be loved and cared for and rightfully deserves the birthright, the blessing, because he was born first. He was born right. So Rebecca tells Jacob the plan um, of, of him trying to look like Esau so that he can um, receive the blessing. And at first, Jacob has some, some reservations. He says, what if my father finds out it's me and I receive, this is verse 12 and 13, and I receive a curse instead of a blessing. Rebecca says, um, let your curse be on me, my son. In verse 12 and 13, let your curse be on me. Can Rebecca fulfill this promise of taking... Uh, her son's curse. She, we're going to find out she can't, right? She can never fulfill this promise. But they, they are successful, though, in, in him getting the blessing. Jacob is blessed um, in verses 28 and 29 of Genesis 27. And a little bit later, um, verses 39 and 40, we see what Esau gets. And I know Hebrews 11 says that, that uh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. But if you can compare what, what Isaac tells them, Verses 39 and 40 look pretty opposite of what the blessing was to Jacob. Um, <clears throat> and, and when this is spoken to Esau, he says he's going to kill his brother. And this is where we see that Rebekah can't fulfill that promise of taking his curse. Because Esau is angry, and she can't take that anger away. She has to protect Jacob, and so she's going to send him to Laban. She can't go to Laban for him. Um, she can't take his curse that she promised she could. So she sends him to Laban, and I'm reading the ESV, and this is verse, verse 44, and it says, stay with him a while. She's going to send him to Laban, he'll stay with him a while. But I don't know what your translation says there in Genesis 27, 44, but most of them say maybe a few days or a little while. Um, most, most other translations have a, have a short amount of time, short connotation, a little while, a few days. And I think that's significant because Rebecca is, is doing what I think we often do and lessening the significance of sin. Um, she's, oh, it's just, she's just going to be with Laban for a few days. I think we do this all the time. We say, who, who am I really hurting if I cheat on this assignment at school? If, if I don't tell my husband or wife where I am just this once, it's not going to hurt anybody. If I go to this or that place in town, I know I shouldn't, it's not going to hurt anybody. If I join in the company gossip around the water cooler, I'm not going to do anybody any harm. If I tell my company I worked this many hours at home when I really watched Netflix for most of it, who's that going to hurt? If I look at this website just this once, what's it really going to hurt? Rebecca says, Jacob's just going to hide out with Laban for a few days. But if you know anything about the story, you know that Jacob was gone for more than 14 years. And as far as we can tell, Rebekah died while he was gone. And we know that Isaac, his father, died while he was gone. Sin is much more significant than you and I um, treat it. We know from 1 Peter 2 that sin is waging war against our soul. 
Some of you might be passionate about something. Maybe it's politics, and you're ready to man, take up arms and join, join a war because you're passionate about it. Uh, and you're going to wage war against this certain thing that you're passionate about. Do you treat sin that way? <clears throat> it's waging war against your soul. We know, we know from Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. It's real, physical death. Absolutely. You can ask Jesus about that. You can ask David, who lost his son because of sin. But it's also death of relationship. We see here with Rebecca and Jacob. It's death of intimacy, of trust. It's death of that and so much more. The wages of sin is death. Treat it as such. There's going to be one other thing that I want to bring out on sin before we move on to Genesis 48. And we see that Jacob is the one that's going to be giving the blessing there. So I said that Rebecca might be tempted to deceive Isaac because she believes in the prophecy given to her at her twin son's birth, right? You remember that? The older shall serve the younger. Um, but what I think could be happening is this, is that in that prophecy, who, who gives that prophecy? You guys remember? The Lord, God, yeah, yeah, sweet. You guys can talk, it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord, the Lord gives that prophecy at, at, her, at Jacob and Esau's birth, that the older shall serve the younger. Is that prophecy going to come true? Yes, if, if, if the Lord spoke it, it's going to happen. The word of the Lord is sure, the word of the Lord is true. This prophecy is going to come true. But she takes matters into her own hands, right? Maybe she might be listening to, to Satan, the tempter, who says, hey, your favorite son is going to lord over the, the uh, older, but you're running out of time. Your husband's dying. You've, you've got to do something for that to happen, right? You see what's happening here? I think Satan always tempts us with something we already have in God. I think that might be what's happening here. If, you, if you're still a little confused, I've got a few more examples. Um, this happened in the garden. This happened at the fall. In Genesis 3, 4 and 5, says this, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Who, who are they already like? God. They were made in His image. They, they've got it. And, and Satan says, no, you, you've got to do this to be like God. This happens again to, to Jesus um, when he, after he's baptized and he's taken into the wilderness. Um, Luke 4, 5 through 8. And this verse used to confuse the mess out of me, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but Luke 4, 5 and 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this. Uh, all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. She used to confuse me because Jesus has what Satan's offering, right? Uh, all authority has been given to him by the Father. And, and it doesn't confuse me anymore because this is all Satan does. He tries to convince you you don't have something that you have in God. And Jesus knows that, and so it doesn't work on him, but it worked way back in the garden with Adam and Eve. It works with Rebecca and Jacob here, and it works with us. But it doesn't work with Jesus because he knows who his Father is, and he knows what he has in him, and so it shouldn't work on us because we too are a child of God. If you're a child of God, you've been given abundant life, and Satan can't offer you anything that you don't already have. So as we move on to Genesis 48, um, I want to bring out one quick thing that I think you all remember, but just want to remind you. The trick that Rebecca and Jacob planned 
um, of, of Jacob pretending to be Esau worked. Do you guys remember why? Because Isaac's eyes were dim, right? Isaac's eyes are dim. So I wanted to make sure we know that before we move on to Genesis 48. Um, and I'm going to read um, 8 through 16. We'll pause a couple times in between there to talk about it. Genesis 48, 8 through 16. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age. He, he's got to remember how he got his blessing, right? His dad, his eyes were dim, and that's how he got the blessing. Now his eyes are dim. Genesis, if you guys watch uh, reality TV or any Netflix dramas, like, Genesis is better. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's so cool. Uh, now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees. Uh, and, and just real quick, not super relevant to, to our, our discussion, but um, th- this probably points to an adoption ceremony um, where, where Jacob has adopted Joseph's grandsons, and that would explain why we have the half-tribe of Ephraim and the half-tribe of Manasseh and not the one tribe of Joseph. Um, so I thought, I thought he'd bring that out. I thought that was cool and, and worth mentioning. Um, <clears throat> then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near, near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So you guys see, see what's happening here? Um, Jacob is, is older, his eyes are dim, and so Joseph is going to make this as easy as possible for his dad and, and take his, his older, oldest son, Manasseh, in his, in his left hand to um, Jacob's right hand. And, and you guys know, recognize the, the symbolism of the right hand, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, there's power, there's firstness associated with the right hand. And so that's why the older son, Manasseh, is going towards um, Jacob's right hand. And then Ephraim the younger is going, he's just kind of there, going, going to the left hand of, of his grandfather. Um, but then what, what happens, right? And Jacob crosses his hands. Okay, so picking back up in uh, verse 15. And he blessed Joseph. Um, so he's got his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh. And it says he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Um, so we see, see how he, he blessing the boys, but I think it's interesting, he's, he's blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, but it says he blessed Joseph, um, and so I think that's pretty cool, wanted to mention that as well. Um, and he's giving credit to God. He knows that it's God who does the blessing. Um, he says, God of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And he says, my God, who's been my shepherd all my life long. And you know Jacob's history. Sinned real big with, with Rebekah and, and taking the birthright, taking the blessing. Sinned with Laban, took all the good goats. And, um, <clears throat> and, and, but he says, God has been my shepherd all my life long. And that's absolutely true. It doesn't depend on what Jacob does. It doesn't depend on what we do. God is our shepherd. 
Uh, nothing changes that. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and he says, blessed boys, may they be a, a great nation and, and multiply. Um, <clears throat> lost my place, sorry. Um, and so, that, that's the blessing. And we see some similarities in both stories, right? Jacob and Isaac are both old and dying. Both of their eyes are dim. And both the younger is blessed when the older was supposed to be. We talked about blessings and how they worked. And firstborn's the one who get the blessing. But both of these stories, the younger does. And, and though, though it's a, um, an exception, there are several exceptions. Can you think of other um, stories from, from Old Testament where the younger brother, the younger sibling received the good or the blessing or the, the birthright? This is another chance for you guys can talk. David, right? Um, David was the youngest son of Jesse, um, but he, he became king of Israel, right? Other, other stories from Old Testament. Oh, I think I heard somebody whisper it. Somebody say Joseph back there? Joseph, right? He's the 11th son of Jacob, of Israel, but he's, he's the favorite. He receives the coat of many colors, yeah. Any others? Cain and Abel, yes, yeah. Um, Abel's the younger sibling, but his offering is accepted um, over Cain's. Any others? Don't want to cut anybody off if you're dying to say. What was there? Over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, Gideon. Um, Gideon for sure. Uh, he says that, that he's the, the weakest. Um, oh, come on, man. Come on. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yes, yes, good. Hey, you can read back there. Way to go, way to go. Uh, Gideon, he's the weakest, weakest clan, weakest member of his family, um, but he's named a judge of Israel. Um, and then uh, what were the other ones we haven't mentioned? Isaac and Ishmael. Um, Isaac's the child of promise, but Ishmael's the older, right? Um, there's at least one more example of this that I want to talk about um, in Scripture, um, but we'll come back to it in just a moment. First, uh, let's continue reading in Genesis 48. Uh, 17 through 20. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. So um, he crossed his hands and he blessed them, blessed the younger over the older. And, and this is a, didn't, didn't really get into it, but this is very um, Big ceremony, a lot of tradition, really, really important, and it's all important for the older sibling, Manasseh. That's what they're there for. Like I said, Ephraim's just kind of there, but it's a really, really powerful tradition, very ceremonial, a big ceremony. Um, and, and, uh, and then this happens, and Joseph's like, oh man, I know this is really symbolic and really important and a special time, but, but he, did, he did it wrong. <laughs> he crossed his hands. And, and so Joseph thinks that it's important enough to interrupt this really important tradition. Say, hey, God, man, you, you did it wrong. You did it wrong, Dad. Um, make your hands straight again. Like, you crossed your hands. Why'd you do that? He says, no, this, this is how it goes. Ephraim is going to be greater than Manasseh. 
the one that's unworthy, the undeserving one, the one that was born wrong because he was born second, is going to be blessed. So what's the other example of the unworthy, undeserving, born wrong, younger sibling who gets the blessing? It's Christ and us. Christ is referred to as the firstborn, and we are the ones that were born wrong, born in sin. Um, we see this uh, several times in Scripture. Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Ephesians 2.3, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Because of that, because we were born wrong, born in sin, we are unworthy, undeserving of anything and everything but death. Somewhat similar to Ephraim, who was born wrong and undeserving of the blessing or birthright. He could do nothing to change that, right? Can't, can't magically one day be older than Manasseh. You and I can never change the fact that we are by nature children of wrath, that we were brought forth in iniquity. Some of you might press back against that statement, like, man, I, I can, I can do good, I can, I can be better. And you're still, by nature, children of wrath, and, and, and if, if me convincing you isn't enough, I, the scripture, Ephesians 2, 1, um, says that we are dead in our sins. I've got a question for you, can a dead person do anything? No, no, we cannot do anything to deserve anything other than death. But God, like Jacob, crossed his hands. On the cross, he crossed his hands. He gives us the blessing that Jesus earned. Gives it to us, the younger, undeserving, unworthy sibling. What is the blessing? What is the blessing? 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us. It says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The blessing is the righteousness of God. Galatians 3 says that the blessing is the Spirit of God. Um, <clears throat> sanctification, us becoming made new, us being holy, Christ's righteousness. We don't deserve it. We can never earn it. But God crossed his hands. And this is possible because Jesus fulfills the promise that Rebecca couldn't keep. You guys remember the promise that Rebecca couldn't keep? Genesis 27, 13, she said, let your curse be upon me, my son. She couldn't keep that. But Jesus took the curse on the cross. Galatians 3 tells us that we're cursed because we couldn't keep the law. But Jesus became a curse because the law says that cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. So Jesus took our curse so that we might become the righteousness of God. And, and yeah, that's, that's good news. But is, is, that, is that it, right? That's it. We're, we're the righteousness of God. We sit back, relax, do all the fun things that we do as Christians. I think, I think that's, that's absolutely true. We are the righteousness of God. But I don't know about you, but I still sin daily, oftentimes more than that. So how, how am I the righteousness of God, right? So I've got a question for you. Did the promises, the blessings given to Jacob and Ephraim come true? Yes, absolutely they did. Absolutely came true. Remember that, that uh, um, Jacob gave credit to God in blessing the son. So it's absolutely, it absolutely came true. But I've got another question for you. Did they come true in their lifetime? That sounds a little bit more difficult to answer, right? Um, Jacob had 12 sons, but not really multiple nations that came later, right? 
Um, and, and Ephraim does become stronger than Manasseh. He's given land in the promised land where Manasseh is not, but was Ephraim truly greater than the person Manasseh? I don't, I don't know that we know for sure. I don't know that Scripture tells us. Um, but they do come true. And so like, like those blessings, they're true and they will happen. They require faith. We are the righteousness of God. We are being sanctified, and that will fully happen when we're present bodily with Jesus. But we get to work toward it right now. And, and uh, there's a really awesome uh, church. I listen to their podcasts. Uh, they're from Portland, Oregon. Uh, a guy named John Mark Comer. Um, Bridgetown Church is his name, John Mark Comer. And when you're done watching The Office, you should get on podcasts and, and listen, to, listen to some John Mark Comer sermons. Um, he, he adapted the Lord's Prayer for their mission statement. Um, and, and they just simply say, in Portland as in heaven, right? I mean, we pray on earth as in heaven. That's not a passive statement. That's not something you say and, and sit back and hope it comes true. No, we, we work toward it. We join Jesus in bringing heaven down. We make disciples. We love those who are different from us. We care for the oppressed. We live generously. And we do all of this not to earn righteousness, but because God crossed his hands and gave us the blessing that Christ earned for us. Uh, I pray that we, we do that this week um, together um, as, as uh, Christ's righteousness, um, people of God. Um, and <clears throat> Rifle, are you giving the communion, or do, do I do that? All right. Um, and we, you can come on, come on up. Uh, and we, we remember that in communion, that God crossed his hands. We remember the sacrifice, the curse that Jesus became so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's through the shed blood and, and the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross. Um, so thank you.